see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm great. We uh, we are on an amazing hump day, amazing Wednesday, and uh, so we've got some great shows, uh, great great topics here for the show. So We try to do to- amazing topics if we're going to do them during the week on Wednesday giving us the amazing Wednesday. So if you're having a rough week, if you're having some trouble getting through the week, you can always come here to the World Transformed and get some amazing stuff. And we've done so many shows with the words amazing stuff in the title that it's hard for me to come up with a new title that also still has the words in it and sounds like a different show. But but this one definitely has its own distinct title because I said, what does a thought look like? And that's some pretty philosophical stuff, I think you'll have to admit, Stephen. That's, you know... That is Turns the, out you, you know, can see a thought. Yeah, uh, and I, that's it's not just the sound came, of one hand clapping. Okay, there, the, the, this one actually yeah. has an answer. What, what does the thought look like? There, there's an answer to that question, isn't there? Well, apparently so. So in California, in Berkeley, uh, the you know they're studying epilepsy patients, and they track in detail the movement of a thought. So I guess I, I guess you ask the uh, subject to think something, and they're and they actually are able to see it as it is courses through the brain from inspiration to response all the way from per- inspiration to response i love that they're not only seeing a thought they're seeing it in in that kind of detail and apparently this this research it says here confirms the role of the prefrontal cortex as the coordinator of complex interactions between different regions linking our perception with action and serving as what can be considered the glue of cognition we we've cool. known all along, that something's going on in there, that something's happening right. in our brains when we think. But but the notion that they can get on a functional MRI now, look at a brain, and when someone is thinking, actually trace that occurring through the human brain. Uh, it's just pretty astounding. I think it, it's just. <laughs> I have you know these funny ideas. I guess I, I don't have any idea what exactly they're using now for inspiration and, and what responses are getting but yeah, you, know, you could show somebody something disgusting and and you see the first recognition of this disgusting thing and then to from disgust to full body shudder so you show homer simpson a donut and he does his little drooly thing right <laughs> you just i just wonder what kind of stimulus they use if you watch the video they show they show a, a number of of, of different examples there and uh, things going on for example when you give someone a word and say, give me the opposite of that word. And they can show the, the example they show here is humid and dry. Okay, so when the, when the human, when the person, the subject, hears the word humid, this part of the brain lights up. And then when they say the word dry, when they, when they dredge up the opposite of that word, a, a completely different area in the brain lights up, right? So you, you kind of actually, you see this, this whole and concept. The, and the part of, of the brain responsible for speaking. For speech yeah. has to light up too. Well, of so. course, and that and that's happening too. That's right. So it's this this whole complex web of not only the content of the thought, but the instructions for the procedure as the whole thing is occurring 
inside the brain. And it's very interesting to see how, what's the word I'm looking for, animated the brain gets about this kind of stuff. It's hard work thinking, it turns out. If, if you thought that, <laughs> you think of your thoughts as these very ephemeral things, you know, they're just kind of passing through your head. Nobody's actually doing anything. And if you show, if you actually look at what's going on inside the brain, there's a lot going on in there. And of course, we know the brain is a big consumer of the energy that our bodies use. And this starts to give us an example of uh, an understanding of why that is, right? We start to really see. <laughs> well, I can tell you, Phil, that at the end of a long day doing my job that requires nothing but mental work, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I hardly lift a finger other than to, you know, type or, or pick up the phone and make a call. So completely sedentary. But if I have a day where I really put in all day long, at the end of the day, I'm wore out. There is a, there is a, there's a lot of energy going on. And, uh, yeah. Uh, even in a completely sedentary job, which, well, it's true. I I hope, and I hope, you know, Stephen, you should be getting up and walking around during the day. That'll actually help you with the, with the thing. That's why I've got a standing desk, Phil. (laughs) Same here. Yeah. Do do a little, uh, get get up and, uh, occasionally do something, but yeah, I I just noticed that, you know, in a, uh, in a long day of a, even a completely mental job, you can, uh, you can be wiped out. I guess this is why there's a lot going on. We're learning how much is going on, and I think we've got a, a lot yet to learn there. But anyway, I, I just couldn't resist the amazingness of now we oh, know yeah. what a thought looks like. You Maybe. know, we had seen scans of the brain that light up, you know, at various parts of the brain if you show somebody various stimulus. But the, I guess the difference here is they're actually following it from following one it all part the way through. Brain. That's, that's, that's yeah. what's cool. Yeah. That's where where, you, very, can, very where cool. you can look at, a, look at a thought as almost a process, look at a thought as almost a story. Right, this little story that's uh, occurring in your, occurring inside your brain, and now we can kind of see the whole sequence of it, which is which is pretty amazing. Okay, let's let's look at this next one. Blood test can detect eight cancers in early stages, which could save half a million lives every year. This comes to us, you know, every week we have a cure for cancer, which is great. This isn't a cure for cancer, but this is this is our good cancer news probably of the week. And I'm going to say almost every show we've got something from Next Big Future these days, right? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to have to start sending royalties to Brian, I think, right? He's just... <laughs> or at least have him on the show more often. I, I love yeah, it when we get sure. him on the show. He, uh, he, uh, he is a, uh, he's a fantastic guest. But, uh, yeah, this, this, is big, this is a big deal, Phil, because if we can detect it early, it vastly increases the chances of getting that patient into remission, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, if uh, you learn too late, that's, that's a huge problem. So... Yeah, if it's just a little blood test, this is something that could become every time you go see the doctor, they you know they take blood and they okay, uh, well uh, you know we found this little thing, but uh, we don't want you to worry overly. We can take care of it early. That's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, basically what this test is doing is it's finding trace amounts of DNA and little bits of protein that cancer cells release. So it's looking it's looking for the for the tiniest little trace marks of these cancers. And we should, we should note that the eight we're talking about here are ovarian, liver, stomach, pancreatic, esophageal, bowel, lung, and breast cancer. So obviously you don't want to get any of those, but I just named some of the biggest killers, right? Pancreatic right, cancer, right. breast cancer. You know, these, these are, 
these are terrible, terrible. Uh, apparently, uh, other other cancers uh, don't necessarily release the same protein. Is that the problem? Uh, that's yeah. That, this this test for those eight. That's right. That, okay. That, um, right. that that it's it's looking at the markers for those particular they, eight. They call this. And, yeah, it, I guess there must be something in common between them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's interesting. They call this a liquid biopsy. <laughs> so, right. Know, right. Uh, I find that you know I find that interesting. You're not actually having obviously to go to a tumor and get some cells. This is just a little blood test. Well, uh, and and you think you think about that. I mean, a tumor is a macro structure, right? A tumor. Yeah. Is you want to you want to get to the problem before there is a tumor. Yeah. Or, a tumor you, you know, can uh, see it. Uh, you need a surgeon to take it out. Typically. It's a big yeah. thing. It's, it's it's something that has grown to the stage where you've already got a real problem. Now, I'm not right. saying you don't have a problem if these if these show up in this blood test, but it's much earlier on, typically, potentially. Right. Now, it raises all kinds of questions. Well, it's like, well, so what's the stimulus for having this test? Do we just all get this test every couple of weeks? Right? We want to we want to catch uh, cancer in its early stages. I think those are those are those are some of the questions that will have to be looked at but the point is if people are getting this test along with other standard kind of annual physical kind of tests then an awful lot of cancer would be caught in very early stages very detectable very treatable kinds of stages for for cancer at that point and Brian does the math here and he says yeah if if we did that we could be we could be looking at 200,000 lives every year in the U.S. and half a million lives around the world just because we have this test available. That's without even inventing a new cure for cancer, right? This is, this is, right. This is a way to save an awful lot of lives just by knowing things we don't currently know. And here's, here's the means by which we can know them. So really exciting stuff. Excellent, excellent. All right. Um, well, the next the next story we have, the next amazing story, is uh, a tractor beam, Phil. Stephen, we're going to cut right to this, okay? You were expressing some skepticism about this story before the show, were you not? Let's, <laughs> yes. Let's, let's go ahead. I, I, go ahead my skepticism it. is based on, you know, is this a tractor beam? It's using a sonic wave, right? That's a lift, it's an acoustic tractor beam. It's, it's pushing and pulling things by way of using sound in, in some very clever ways. It's very cool. I like, but yeah. is it is it a, the science fiction tractor beam? Uh, you, know, you can't you couldn't pull in the Millennium Falcon with this, right? This is not really a tractor beam like like uh, like we fanboys uh, would uh, would imagine, correct? So, that's that's right. When when Captain Kirk says, "What is that object out there?" Tractor beam, right? Let's suck it in. Let's let's bring it in. Take a look at it. He's obviously not manipulating sound waves because, as we know, there are no sound waves in space. So what good is a what good is a track? This would be just a, a purely terrestrial tractor beam at best. That's uh, that's all it would be. But to me, you're you're missing the the key part of the headline here. Okay, Stephen, you, your your fanboy impulse made you stop at tractor beam and you didn't read the rest of the headline. Could pave way for levitating humans. Hello. Okay, so I mean, <laughs> shut up and enjoy your magic carpet, Stephen. That's <laughs> exactly saying, right? right. Okay, so it's not a real Star Trek tractor beam. You can fly. Okay, don't you want to fly? I mean, that's the. Uh... Well, you know, I, I'm thinking of perhaps uh, even uh, some exciting things that happen maybe at the micro level. What if you could use sound to manipulate, you know, within a cell? Mm-hmm. You know, what if you're doing something medically with sound? 
with this sort of technology. There's a, a lot of cool things that could be done with this particular tool, I would think. I, well, it, <laughs> it, it speaks to a very different, in some ways more precise, when we get there finally, and much more subtle way of moving stuff around than we've talked about before. And how do we move objects? Well, you can physically grab an object and move it. And we've got magnets, and that's another way. It only applies to some objects. And then you've got this. This, yeah. this acoustics is this way of moving things. And unlike magnets, it doesn't apply just to certain, certain categories of materials. You can, you can apply it to, to just about anything. So I agree. This has lots of implications for small applications, for things that, that are going on inside of machinery that we're, that we're currently seeing. But I think there might also be some applications for, for some bigger stuff that we're currently looking at for magnets. And I think in particular these maglev trains. Could there be an acoustic train? I don't know, right? Is, is it something where they could actually they could create a sonic field and, and run machinery on that? big machinery, like something that could carry people around? I don't know. At least the implication is there that that, well, that, that might be possible. What about with something like utility fog? If I invite oh, our yeah. guests to Google the phrase utility fog, and that's a real neat concept of just little simple little robots that you know hold hands in various ways to, to produce anything you can imagine, right? It's a, it's a concept. What, you know, what if uh, these things are moving each other around in part with, with that? It's, there's, a, there's a lot to this. So, yeah, just because I'm, I have my doubts whether it's a tractor beam in the sci-fi sense uh, doesn't mean that I'm, I don't think it's cool. It's amazing. Well, it is. The, it's still very much in the sci-fi sense. It's just not in the space opera yeah. sense, Stephen. You've got to open your sci-fi mind a little here, you know? Yeah. It's more like the weapons in Dune, right? It's, uh, <laughs> exactly. It is, actually. It is kind of like the, the sonic weapons in Dune. This is how we draw in the worms, okay? Right? We're going to get exactly. Wormstein. Exactly. Wormstein such as you have never seen, right? That, 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 yeah. Is there a Wormstein, Phil? Uh, yes. That kind of thing. Speaking of which, I know this is not geek out, but I, I guess there's a, a new Dune series in the in the making. Oh yeah, yeah. there's uh, I, and I'm hopeful. There's there's a lot of people that don't appreciate the uh, Dune movie as much as I do. I've I've always kind of liked that weird thing. It's it's a weird, great movie, but the, there's a chance to do better, and I'm I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that they will. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm I'm not going to respond because we will be in geek out if we if we start if if we go yeah down yeah dune. if we get if we get deep into that we sure will this 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 dune path but it's it's interesting in the book dune and in the movie and i'm sure probably in the upcoming series there's there's a lot of sonic based technology that that's one of the kind of one of the important sort of materials technology of that future world and now we're kind of seeing kind of seeing that happen it, it wasn't something that i ever gave a lot of credence to i always thought well that's kind of weird that's an odd little rivulet like like a little a little tangent that Frank Herbert went off on and nobody really seriously thinks we're going to do all that much with sonic technology in the future and and here now we're living in this era where they're they're actually doing some very interesting research and they and they're talking about they're, they're talking about the implications of this possibly to manipulate drugs to to do microsurgery inside of people and 
and I love this phrase, containerless transportation, right? <laughs> Just magically moving <laughs> things from, from, from one place to another, all enabled by, what do they call it? It's kind of a rotating, fluctuating acoustic vortices, okay? So it's these little, it's these little tornadoes of sound working against each other that, that physically move objects. So, I, you know, I guess this is my apology to Frank Herbert for not realizing that he was onto something big in Dune when he was talking about uh, talking about this kind of technology. And I think we're going to see some really amazing stuff, all the more amazing probably because people aren't expecting it. They're not looking for this and they're not they're not thinking about this happening. And uh, th- that's when that's when things really kind of surprise us and and get our attention is when it, when it comes completely out of left field like this. So, absolutely. Well, speaking of left field, Speaking of left field, we got this new one here. Uh, 3D printers could let you produce your own drugs. Wow, that's a you talk about uh, Pandora's box, Phil. Well, the good news is, if you're in a remote location, and one one of the things they talk about is, say you're in a space colony or something like that, you're going right. to have this ability to produce the medications that you need, and also right. this becomes a, a, a potential way of just cutting down, foreshortening, simplifying the whole supply chain for producing pharmaceuticals. So all kinds of interesting medical applications in kind of on the edge, kind of on on the extreme, and also kind of a more far-reaching sort of a scenario there for moving us in a post-scarcity kind of a direction, an abundance world where we can always have all the meds we want. But... (laughs) <laughs> the the other implication here is, hey, if I got a machine in my house that can produce ibuprofen or I don't know amoxicillin or whatever it is that I that I happen to need, can't it also produce crystal meth? Right. That's the uh, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. that's the, that's the issue. If you know, if you're subject to a drug problem, then you've just got an unlimited supply of that which is ruining your life, right? And and the lives of those around you as well. Maybe the solution to to all of this is, is is drugs that help people conquer their addictions. If we can also uh, come up it, along with the 3D printer that prints any drug you want, perhaps we need to discover a drug that would allow people that are addicted to to move past that addiction. Because uh, this this is a real Pandora's box uh, for that sort of problem. Yeah, I mean, and that is the downside to abundance for sure. When we when we talk about yeah. post scarcity, when one of the saving graces of a lot of illicit drugs is their scarcity. The fact yeah. that people people do an awful lot of damage to themselves by getting their hands on them and they wreck their lives economically and then wreck their bodies physically trying to do so. But at least it's hard to get, and that keeps a lot of people from ever even trying it. And, you know, if suddenly there is no limit to the amount of heroin you can produce, that is... That's you a know, problem. That is a that problem. That is a problem. You know, yeah. since, since you uh, went down kind of a geek uh, a rabbit hole uh, with the last story, allow me just one second. Do you recall the movie Clear and Present Danger? Oh, sure. Uh, with yeah. Harrison Ford. Uh, it's a Jack Ryan movie, right? Yep, um, yep. And, uh, About a, so there a nuclear a, attack on the uh, physical United States, right? It's a, it's a, no, no, a no, nu- no. This is, uh, this is one uh, that was uh, one actually done. That was Baltimore that got nuked in uh, in that particular movie, and that was with Ben Affleck playing uh, Jack Ryan. Oh, sorry. Okay, I, I, I can't remember what happens in Clear and Present Danger, but I have seen it. Okay, Clear and Present Danger involves a, the drug war, 
Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and okay. so there's a, a, a an official that's called to a meeting with a drug lord. Okay, and he takes that meeting in a in a hotel room someplace like Panama or, or Colombia or someplace, right? Right. And the drug lord, basically, it's a deal with the devil. Yeah. The deal, the deal was this: what we do is we uh, will reduce the amount of drugs uh, flowing into your country by one half. Mm-hmm and uh, therefore create scarcity for our product, and the price of our product will go up, and you guys get a win because, you know, you're winning in the drug war, and, and, and you guys can stop your drug war against us in exchange for us reducing our uh, uh, drugs flowing into your country by half. The deal doesn't work out in the movie, but, you know, that's... Go figure. That's a, dr- a deal with a drug lord doesn't work out. Huh? A- yeah, yeah. Imagine that, that it, doesn't, yeah. that it doesn't work out. But, anyway, that's... I always thought, you know, in watching that, that, wow, if we could, well, should we do it if we ever had the opportunity to do that? Well, this is sort of the opposite, you know, <laughs> uh, you know this 3D printing of drugs. I mean, that uh, that's, uh, create, you know, creates uh, abundance of something maybe we don't need an abundance of. It definitely does. And the solution to that, it's the fact that we currently have a, a huge abundance of alcohol, Right. I mean, there's post scarcity, close to post scarcity with alcohol, and yet we're not dying in droves. Right. Alcoholism is obviously a problem, but I don't think it's gotten much worse, even as alcohol has become has become increasingly more abundant. We know that people can kill themselves via via obesity, via via overeating and eating the wrong kinds of foods, and we got plenty of food in this country, and there is a problem with obesity. But it's right. not it's not the end of the species, right? So I, I feel right. that as dangerous as that would be, it would probably not be quite the nightmare scenario that you can picture that it would be. Right. It, it, it would right. it, 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 it would be bad, but not as not as bad as we think. And I think also you make a good point that probably solutions maybe there might not be one magic bullet solution to this, one magic pill solution to this, but various solutions might also be found in there. That there might be some really more effective versions of methadone and that kind of thing that these could also produce and that people might start weaning themselves off these drugs or might start giving themselves alternatives. I think that's where the real solution to this comes from is, uh, is a medical solution that attacks the basis of addiction, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, ask any addict if, uh, if you could take a pill that would rid you of the addiction, I would, I would guess that most addicts would jump at it, right? It's not. A, it's not a good place to be. To be addicted. nobody wants to be hooked so, on drugs. That's for sure. I don't. Right. I don't think. And, uh, oh, and, and well, and since we're hey, since we're speculating, the other possibility yeah. is that we will just have machines that can interface directly with the body and give you the whole physiological effect of the high, without ever putting the chemical <laughs> without, in without the downside. <laughs> yeah, with, without ever putting the chemical in the body, and that people might start going that way, where where we'll have post scarcity of being high. <laughs> right, separated from from the drugs, and since we everybody learns quickly that the drugs kill you eventually, that they they start taking your body apart, people might go that right. Now that'll take your life apart, probably. I mean, I'm not saying that that's a solution in terms of then you, then you have a great life because if you're if you're hooked on connecting to a machine that makes you feel high all the time, it's you know, well, are, are, you obviously know, your there are downsides are to that. Yeah. Your emotions are completely inappropriate to the situation. You know, right? You you, you don't want to be laughing out loud at your grandmother's funeral, right? Right. 
there's appropriateness. Uh, you need to have appropriate responses. Lots of issues anyway, there. I, yeah, lots, anyway, lots of issues. Pretty amazing stuff. 3D printers can let you produce your own drugs. Uh, for all the downsides we've discussed, this will be huge, and it's, and it's going to be big. Oh, Finally, yeah. we got one more we've got to deal with very quickly here. Machines teaching each other could be the biggest exponential trend in AI. And this, this was cool. I, I picked this one just because I saw this story of how we're actually, we're actually seeing this unfold in, in real life. talks about how the Tesla Model S with its semi-autonomous driving capability, is learning from itself how to be a better driver. And they give a great example of how uh, there was this problem with cars exiting too early, getting on the wrong exit lane, and how they have taught each other, how the AI has taught itself, or different cars bring, dealing with that situation in real life, have vastly improved the intelligence of the Tesla model overnight, S. but we spoke about this. I said, you know, if I if I have a close call in my driving, and it might that a close call, and I go, oh my gosh, I, you know, I I could have died there. That may improve my driving thereafter, right? Right. It doesn't do anything to improve my neighbor's driving right, right. next door. Uh, but, exactly. Uh, the, 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 yeah, but the same cannot be said of these auto auto drive systems. Uh, they, you know, they have a close call, and every automatic car after that is a better driver for it, right? Right, right. So it's, I mean, uh, there, there, could, there, there could be a situation. Let me just say this. There could be a situation where people become better drivers over time. The population becomes a better driver over time because we learn new things. What, how long does that take, right? A decade? A decade and a half? There, there are periods of time over which cars become safer. But how, how long <laughs> how does long that did take, How long does it take right? us to decide as a, as a uh, society, Phil? that seatbelts were a good idea. Exactly, <laughs> it took a, yeah. It, took it a takes while. a long time, and it takes a long time yeah. to replace the cars that are less safe with the cars that are more safe. Now you have essentially both of those things happening at once, and it happens overnight. And right. that is a sneak preview. And this preview. is just one example. This is just one example. That's there the is, point, yeah. This is a be, sneak preview yeah. of the kind of exponential change we're going to see. That and everything, when, right? Yeah. When, when AIs are teaching each other, this is, this is how big it can be and how fast things can change. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it talks about Kurzweil and how he breaks down this intuitive linear way of looking at technological change versus the exponential rate of technological change. What we're seeing here is what happens when things change exponentially. And this is, this is one example. We're going to see a lot more, aren't we? Absolutely. We have gone a couple minutes over, Phil. Well, it happens. You know, it's, it's hard not to on an amazing Wednesday when you've got so many amazing top, topics, especially when we allow ourselves to go down the geek rabbit holes once in a while. But that's okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be back on Friday, and we're going to do uh, some, some more fascinating topics. And you know what? We're going to geek out for real on Friday. So looking forward to that, Stephen. Looking forward to being with you all. And until next time, live to see it. Mm-hmm.